Well, that'll do it, huh? Vikings are out. Let's talk about it. Let's get through it here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun. NFL show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your hashtag first listen of the day every single day. Now, today, oh gosh, I want to just stall. I don't want to talk about it. The Vikings lost 37-10 to 10 to the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. They got totally drubbed. We all kind of expected it because a lot went down since the last time we talked. On Friday, after the show, the Friday show went out, Kirk Cousins tested positive for COVID-19. He wouldn't play in this game. It would be Sean Mannion, and obviously that wasn't good enough. So I'm kind of glad I didn't have to talk about it beforehand because I would have had to do, you know, the like, ah, but like anything can happen kind of caveating, which I do believe like anything can happen, right? Like weirds that Cooper Rush won a game, right? Like the Vikings won a game with Joe Webb once back in the day, like weird stuff can happen. But I'm glad I didn't have to like bother caveating that. And now I can just say, yeah, all right. Well, that was bad. Um, Yeah, that was bad. And I guess uh, let me start with that before we get into the actual game. I'll start with what happened before it, which was the Kirk Cousins thing. There was a lot of talk this summer about, well, what if this happens? What could, how could maybe, and there are a lot of things that I heard back in that time that I want to bring up again, because there are lessons we can learn. Um, A lot of people said, look, he hasn't missed a game for real in like four years. And I said, well, there hasn't been a pandemic in four years. And sure enough, that's what happened here. Um, And I think there is a lesson to be learned there in applying patterns. And that's kind of been a theme for me, a, a thing I've been thinking about a lot this weekend. Applying patterns to things that, to, to places where they don't exactly apply can make you wrong more often than they can make you right. You know, yes, Kirk Cousins hasn't missed a game in four years. That might just be a factor of luck and he might not be as lucky next time. And also, you know, circumstances have changed a lot. There's also a lot of talk like, look, a lot of players who are vaccinated got COVID. More players who aren't vaccinated got COVID. Proportionally, there aren't as many unvaccinated players. So obviously, the the raw number would be different. But if you weren't vaccinated, you were a lot more likely to get COVID, even with Omicron, which is getting pretty much everybody. Um, So I I think it's okay to be frustrated with every player. Dalvin Tomlinson, Dalvin Cook, Harrison Smith, all these guys missed games on the COVID-19 list. And these are games the Vikings would lose close, right? Harrison Smith missed the Ravens game. They lost that in overtime. You think he would have made a difference? Even though Bynum got an interception there? Um, and, and this absolutely, and I, maybe to a greater degree, applies to Kirk Cousins, who's supposed to be the leader on the team and is the most important player on the team. He's the quarterback. Um, they put themselves at a greater risk of missing time. Even if you don't think the vaccines make you less likely to get COVID, which is just like mathematically untrue, even if you just look at NFL players. But even if I'll give you that, whatever, let's not argue about that. You still miss more time. Like if you have a completely asymptomatic case of COVID and you are unvaccinated, you're missing five days. If you're vaccinated, you might not miss anything. Um, and, And I think not like refusing to do that is letting your team down. And that's why I'm so disappointed. Um, look, I haven't been the nicest to Kirk Cousins. I'm very critical of him. And I think that's okay. He's a quarterback of an NFL team. Like there's going to be some scrutiny, 
but I don't want, I didn't want it to end like this. I want him to play. And if he plays and he plays bad and I can go criticize that, that's how it's supposed to go. I, I don't want to sit here and have to talk about Sean Mannion. That sucks. It's a terrible way for this Vikings organization to end. And I guess that should bring me to, this is kind of the end of this regime of the Vikings. Um, we can pretty much put that down in ink. Um, I, there's been a lot of talk among some of the beat reporters and people. Um, I, Darren Wilson's been talking about it a little bit. Um, I, I think, gosh, somebody like on NFL Network or something even put this out there. Oh, Ian Rapport. Uh, Ian Rappaport put this out there. If the Vikings didn't make the playoffs, which is now guaranteed, they will not make the playoffs. They're seven and nine. They're out. Um, Mike Zimmer will not be the head coach of the Vikings in 2022. It's over. It's 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 already pretty much cats out of the bag. It's happening. Um, Rick Spielman is a different. I, it's a little harder. I, I'm still trying to dig and find what exactly is going to happen with, with Rick Spielman. I don't fully uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be let go or not. Um, but either way, I mean, there's going to be a new regime here. New head coach is going to come in. And that means after eight years, the Mike Zimmer era of the Vikings comes to a close. I loved Mike Zimmer as a head coach. I think as a leader, I think as a motivator, he was fantastic here. And don't let yourself fall victim to the few stories we heard from disgruntled people that leave. There are players that have been absolute cornerstones of the Vikings. Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, that, that would ride or die for Mike Zimmer till the end. And you don't get those sorts of relationships without being able to manage people. And ultimately, I've learned a lot about coaching in the last year. One of the biggest things that I've learned is that coaching is about people and managing people. It's not about scheme. It's not about fourth down decisions. It is about getting a group of humans as jazzed up to do exactly what you say as you can. And that I think Mike Zimmer's been very good at that, and I think wherever he goes next, he'll continue to be good at that. When we look back on this, I mean, we're all really sour on Zimmer right now because he's getting fired right now. Like, of course, this is the lowest we will ever think of him. It should be. Um, but I think when we look back on this, we will see that Mike Zimmer was a pretty good coach for the Vikings. Didn't work out after eight years. It's time. I get it. But damn it, it was a good run. And I feel okay with like respecting that. What happens to Kirk Cousins from here? What happens to older players like Harrison Smith or Adam Thielen from here is all stuff we can talk about over the next months. Because, of course, this show keeps going daily for the entire offseason. We will not miss a beat just because it is the offseason. So uh, we'll talk about all of that. We'll have plenty of time to. But for now, we can just take a minute and and just reminisce and say, hey, remember that time Mike Zimmer won the division twice in, in his first four years? That was pretty fun. And... I guess it sucks that this Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer thing in its four years only made the playoffs once as a six seed that didn't go nearly as well as we thought it would. And everybody's going to get fired for it. And that's appropriate. Um, but what Mike Zimmer brought to this team, I think was a, a sort of a, a throwback to the frozen tundra era of, of tough defense of, uh, you know, resiliency. And I think being smart in a lot of ways, um, I want to miss it. And I'm going to miss his candid post-game pressers. I, a lot of, he got, got in a lot of trouble for things he would say up on the podium, and he never really cared, and I loved that. I don't want to go back to the Leslie Frazier, we'll just look at the tape kind of platitudes, and we're probably going to get something like that. Most coaches are like that, so I, I'll, I'll be bummed about it. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the game. I want to talk about the Kellen Mond, Sean Mannion thing, um, and whatever else we can kind of discern from this. But the, the real headline, it's not really helpful to like evaluate 
what guys are going to do for the rest of the season because the season's over. They got one meaningless meaningless game left. Who cares about it? Um, but there are still a couple things, so we'll keep talking here. Uh, let's quick talk about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is the season of New Year's resolutions, and that means that when you wake up at 3 a.m., sad about the Vikings season being over, and you need a snack to tide you over, it happens to the best of us, all right? Who among us does not experience that exact thing a lot? <laughs> you, can go, you can reach for a built bar. Tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% soothing, comforting, silky chocolate, and uh, comes in a bunch of delicious flavors. So head on over to built.com and you can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You can get 15% off of your order. One of these bad boys has like 17 grams of protein and like 130 calories, like four grams of sugar. It is so much better than a regular candy bar, but it'll trick your heart into thinking that you are eating a candy bar and being bad, but you don't have to be bad. So head on over to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get yourself one of the greatest tasting protein bars of all time. Once again, thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. So let me talk to you about the quarterback thing. This is kind of the moment that we were waiting for for a long time. Um, and I think there was always something that happened. I would never address it because, of course, it never came up in the game. But there was always something that happened before every game. The inactives would be announced. Kellen Mond would be on the inactive list. And then Sean Mannion would be the QB2 for the game. And I, I think just about every time somebody would ask me, hey, what's the deal with that? Is he really not better than Sean Mannion? There's no way, right? Um, and to that, my answer would always be, well, A, it can always be worse than whatever the worst thing you're imagining is. That is the cardinal rule of the Vikings. It is the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile. Um, but beyond that, I think if you can't imagine a quarterback worse than Sean Mannion, I struggle to understand what NFC you've been watching because I don't think that's the worst quarterback performance we've seen in the NFC by far. I don't think it's the worst quarterback performance we've seen this week. I, I think something really dark is going on in New York right now with the Giants. I think Justin Fields has put forth plenty of games that are worse than that particular game. Uh, he's a rookie, so it's fine. But like, it, I mean, that's terrible, right? You don't want to have that happen when I mean, the Vikings had 43 percent playoff probability. If you want to go by ESPN's FPI on the line in this game, if they would have been able to win this game, it would have mattered a ton. So there's no way they were going to going to give that up by putting in a quarterback that doesn't give them the best chance to win. And I think that was clearly Sean Mannion. Mannion had not good throws throughout the whole game. And I'm not going to like sit here and pretend those didn't happen. He had a fourth and three. He scrambled up, climbed up into the pocket, and then threw one of the worst crossers I've ever seen behind uh, Justin Jefferson, who would have been wide open for a huge gain. Um, his Hail Mary at the end of the game sailed 10 yards over KJ Osborne's head, but he also had like a pretty good fade to KJ Osborne down the sideline. Uh, the touchdown to KJ Osborne was a pretty good throw. Like there were some decent throws. And I think this is like my biggest frustration with the Vikings coaches, Clint Kubiak in particular. I think this is a Clint Kubiak thing. Um, did not trust Sean Mannion at all. And I get it. He's your backup and you should probably try to protect him. But they played scared of him. And I think they overcorrected to that. And it kind of makes sense. Look, in that building, backup quarterbacks have just been treated like potatoes. And this is my whole meme. Like backup quarterbacks are not potatoes. They're still NFL players. When they went up against Cooper Rush a few weeks ago, or you know, a few months ago, um, they basically relied on him never being able to make a a reasonable throw, not a difficult. They didn't make him make hard throws. They made him make medium throws and called that good enough. And Cooper Rush could make medium throws because he's not a potato. That's actually not the, the, the throws they made Cooper Rush make. Not that hard for an NFL caliber quarterback. And I think the Vikings didn't want to make Sean Mannion ever make a remotely 
like below average difficulty throw only the easiest most automatic things like it was me out there and that i think was a massive mistake because it ended up there was a certain point where sean Mannion had gotten one first down they were deep into the second quarter and he had an average depth of target of like 1.6 yards um or maybe that was yards per pass of 1.6 like it was terrible and some of that's on Mannion too of course you know we'll look at the tape later and we'll see it maybe there were a bunch of guys streaking open downfield and he just didn't see it right maybe that's the case but it, i don't think so in this one, um, my, my hypothesis would be no. It just seemed like he he was kind of, they've just played scared of him. Um, and look, they've played scared of Kirk Cousins too, which is even less excusable. I mean, he can make whatever throw, right? Um, but that whole cowardly scared mode of play is, it, it's, it's appropriate that that's what doomed the Vikings. And it made it so the Vikings scored three points in the entire first half. They went into halftime 20 to, down 20 to three. And they ain't coming back from that. It only got worse from there. Um, so that was that. But with Kellen Mond, he actually did come in for a second. It turned out uh, Sean Mannion had some minor injury. Kellen Mond came in and actually played a series. Everybody thought it was a benching. It wasn't like a true benching. Um, it was uh, Mannion was like hurt for a little bit and then he came back in later. That's why he came back in. He was only out because he was hurt, not because they thought they would look at Kellen Mond, which Mike Zimmer after the game said, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. And I think we kind of saw why in those three passes. It was only three passes, but he checked it down twice or well, one of them I think was maybe designed or maybe he went to the check down too fast. Hard to tell, um, but he threw two short passes to Alexander Madison. Like that's not offense, right? And then there was a third down read that was slant flat. I think it was third and six. They ran slant flat. Now, slant flat is a very, very simple read. Um, you can run it in Madden if you want. Like, it's one of the plays that, like, they push in Madden because it's, like, one of the first plays you learn. Um, but basically, you are reading one defender. Usually, that's – I've learned to call that the apex from a defensive side. But slot corner, outside linebacker, whoever the second guy in is, right? Or sometimes it's the outside corner depending on, like, the exact structure of the play. But basically, you're reading a guy. If he goes left, you throw the uh, you, you throw to the flat. If he goes right, you throw the slant. And Mond made the read, but he made the read so late that Chris Barnes was able to jump that thing and would have had a pick six. Um, but it was dropped. And I don't want to give Kellen Mond any extra credit because the pick was dropped. I wouldn't be as kind to Kirk Cousins. I shouldn't be as kind to anybody, even my favorite quarterbacks of all time, right? Um, so it was a really, really bad throw. And that's kind of the only thing we saw, but it's like, look, if you only played three plays and we're already seeing this kind of struggle, how bad must it be in practice? And I think it is really bad in practice. I, I think that I think we just have enough evidence to kind of understand it's probably really bad in practice. I think it is way more likely that it's really bad in practice than it is likely that like the coaches are just like turning a blind eye to Kellen Mond, who's actually ripping things up, but they hate rookies or something that sort of conspiracy. There's no evidence for that. If you go back, I mean, go back and listen to what I said about Kellen Mond when they first got drafted. He needs time. He's got all these mechanical issues. The ball comes out late all the time. Um, he has, he just got problems and that's okay. He's a rookie. You got time to deal with your problems. We can be patient, but we have to like promise to actually be patient instead of demanding that he comes in, you know, and takes the QB two job right away. Um, and by right away, I mean, in his first year, he just doesn't have to do that. I don't need him to do that for me to like, believe that he could have been a good draft pick or whatever. Like add to that, what we saw in camp was not encouraging. What we saw in preseason was not encouraging. He just has the prob the same problems that he had in college, and it looks like he still has them now based on a small sample here. I just, nothing about this doesn't track until you start telling that, well, actually, he's secretly been good in spite of this all the time, and the coaches just like refuse to see it or something. Like that is so much harder to believe. 
Um, I think Kellen Mond is just worse than Sean Mannion. You hate Sean Mannion as much as you hate him? Kellen Mond is worse. You know who's worse than both of them? Me. It always gets worse. So, like, it it can always, always, always get worse. You can always go down to the Josh Freeman thing. But um, that is... I think a reason I think it was reasonable to put Sean Mannion in. It was not reasonable to be in this situation where you're choosing between these two crappy dudes. Like they should have gotten a better backup quarterback. I've been screaming about that since August, and I think we kind of saw why. They should have taken that more seriously. They didn't, and it cost them a crucial game and probably their jobs. That's fair. I think that's a, an appropriate punishment for what happened there. They made a mistake that cost them their jobs, and that mistake was not taking backup quarterback seriously for basically the entire time Kirk Cousins was in Minnesota, and it took it three years to, to actually bite them. I think that's just a lucky break, and that it, that it took this long for them to get punished for that, but they got punished for that. So before we wrap all of this out and start kind of talking about where we're going to go from here. Um, let me talk to you about my new favorite app. It's called Get Upside. Get Upside is a really cool app. So download the app at the App Store. It's a free app. And then um, whenever you're going to get gas, it actually works with like groceries and stuff too, but for gas, um, just look at its map and it will tell you gas stations around you that accept Get Upside. Go get your gas, take a picture of your receipt, upload it to the app, and you will just get cash back. It is like that easy. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to pay a dime. Uh, You can just get up to 25 cents per gallon back every single fill up. And that adds up. If you drive a lot, that's like two, 300 bucks a month. So refuse, resist paying full price at the pump and get cash back using GetUpside. Also, if you use promo code TOUCHDOWN when you start, you can get up to 50 cents a gallon. That's double the savings on your first fill-up. 50 cents a gallon off just for using promo code TOUCHDOWN by downloading the free GetUpside app. One more time, that is GetUpside, promo code TOUCHDOWN. You know, excuses aside, there is nothing worse in the entire world than getting blown out by the Green Bay Packers. That is a feeling that just sits with you. And you're probably really upset. Now, maybe you didn't have any expectations or anything, but you're lying if you're like sitting there saying, no, that didn't affect you at all. It just hurts to watch, even if you see it coming in a way that makes it worse because it's it's like a car crash you can't do anything about. You just have to sit there and watch people suffer. And it's just sad. There are a lot of players here in, in Minnesota who have given a lot to the Vi- Mike Zimmer has given, I mean, gave his eye to the Vikings. And to see them go out like this, cowering and whimpering, it's just a sad state of affairs. And it's time for something new, and, and nobody disagrees with that at this point, I don't think. But beyond him, I mean, I, looking at Dalvin Cook or somebody like, shoot, somebody like Brian O'Neill or somebody who's given a ton, Anthony Barr suffered to play for the Vikings this year. And it ends like that with the Vikings throwing a bunch of short passes, playing like they're scared of themselves, having absolutely no identity. And I guess let's talk a little bit about the defense too. Cameron Dantzler was hurt, so Chris Boyd started. He got absolutely victimized. Um, when I, I, I write game recaps of every game over at Zone Coverage, you can find them at zonecoverage.com. Um, and one of the things that I highlighted in that was Devontae Adams versus Chris Boyd one-on-one a ton. Now, the Packers have always tried against everybody, they try to get Devontae Adams one-on-one with people. It's like the main goal of their offense is al- and the way that they do their alignments is to try to find one-on-one matchups. And the main goal of the defense is to try to deny that, keep a safety over the top, keep people around, but then they'll use motion and they'll try to kind of get away from where you put the safety and they'll try to figure out what your coverage is and get Devontae Adams away from it and stuff. That's the cat and mouse. And the Vikings have lost that cat and mouse a lot. In the last five times the Vikings have played the Packers, the Packers have put up over 30 in four of them. And the only other one was a 22-point win with the wind whipping everywhere and they couldn't throw. 
um, the the Lambo game last year. It, I mean, the Packers have kind of owned Mike Zimmer in the last few matchups, and a lot of that is because the Vikings have failed to keep Devonte Adams from getting one on ones. I don't think that Zimmer isn't trying. Um, I, I used to kind of say that, and I think that was just a poor understanding of coverage. I don't think that he's sitting there going, ah, Chris Boyd can take Devonte Adams one-on-one. I don't think anybody's saying that. I, I think it's more when you call a coverage, a lot of those coverages will require the corner to sometimes be one-on-one depending on what the route is. You can make it so that the corner isn't one-on-one a lot, um, but you can't necessarily make it so that the corner is never one-on-one with a guy. So if the Packers want to, they can just figure out where Chris Boyd is on the play put Devontae Adams on him, have him run whatever route, and eventually they're going to find a coverage where he's one-on-one. And you have to do better a better job with safeties. You have to adjust things. Maybe leave Mackenzie Alexander one-on-one more. But look, Mackenzie Alexander got victimized by Devontae Adams too. So at a certain point, the way that these man-match coverages work is just not going to be able to stop every single one-on-one. At a certain point, you just have to hold up. And the Vikings couldn't hold up, and they haven't been able to hold up for years and years and years. And the other thing I just want to mention is, so Michael Pierce was out in this game, so they lost a a lot of beef in their interior. They got worked in the run game. And it's like, again, second to last game of the season, do or die, need to win, need some help, and if you lose, you're out. It's just like the Christmas game. I mean, it wasn't six six Aaron Jones touchdowns, but sometimes it felt like that, especially with uh, A.J. Dillon. And there's something that's bothered me a bunch about the way the Vikings play defense lately. And I think this is another kind of fire Zimmer thing, like throw it on the pile, is that they have been taught to tackle. I think they're going for strips a lot instead of going for the hip. They're going for the shoulders. They're tackling very high. Hey, that's a great way to get a 15-yard flag. Um, but also it's a good way to have somebody like AJ Dillon, whose legs are tree trunks, drag you for three, four yards. And and that, you know, when, when you can make a better tackle, even though you get the guy down, eventually a tackle for three yards versus a tackle for seven yards, that kind of thing adds up over time. And I know they're going for fumbles. I know they're going for the big play. And a lot of that's game situation and it's a coaching point and stuff, but I think they just do that way too much. And I think that's just a bad in-game coaching thing. You know, I don't think Harrison Smith is a bad fundamental tackler. I think he has been given a poor instruction from his coach. And that, like, just, yeah, throw it on the pile for reasons that the Vikings need to go. Um, whatever happens from here on out, I will be here w- with you for it. And in the meantime, I, I think we're going to talk a lot about Vikings history just because it's what I'm into right now. Um, we're going to talk a lot about... The salary cap and all that, we'll go through all that stuff. You know, what do we do with the Neil Hunter's contract? What's going to happen with Kirk Cousins' contract? What's going to happen with all the void years? How do we do this? Is it going to be a rebuilding year? All those burning questions and stuff. We will have all kinds of time to answer like all of them. And then, of course, the draft will come and we'll do that. And then the summer will come and we'll do what we're going to do there. But that, for now, we're going to do a lot of focusing on, I mean, once the the word is official from Mike Zimmer, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's good. I mean, I'm very sure that he's going to be fired, but I don't know what's going to happen in the front office. I don't know what else there. So we'll talk a lot more. I've I've already done a little bit on the coaches, but we'll maybe talk a little bit more about coaching candidates, maybe GM candidates if we can, if we have to. Um, And and we'll see kind of what happens to the organization from there. When the new coach is hired, we're going to spend a lot of time getting to know that person, what scheme they run, what players they're kind of they should be looking for um you know do i like it do i not like it i don't know i i could see that i mean you've heard me already talk about some candidates some i would like some i wouldn't like i'll see what that opinion is and reserve the right to change it if they prove me wrong but as, as sad as i am 
about the Vikings and about the way that the season has gone down. I am in a weird way really excited to cover the next chapter with you all because, you know, I, I didn't get I wasn't into covering the Vikings back in 2014. I was just a random person who read an article every once in a while. I, I didn't write. I didn't do any of that. I wasn't even a thought in my, in my mind back then. So I've only covered Mike Zimmer Vikings teams. I've never covered a transition, a new thing, gotten to know all this new stuff. I'm hyped to do it. And I hope you all will come along with me as we cover this last dumb, meaningless game and uh, go go into the what, what should be a pretty f- formative offseason for whatever the next version of the Vikings looks like. A lot of those questions will be answered by actions taken in the next couple months. So I hope you guys are excited, as excited as I am for that. The, the grind never ends. And as much as you would like them to, the Vikings will never stop breaking your heart. <laughs> I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll do a Twitter Tuesday, too. We'll see what y'all are asking about. So I'm excited for all of that. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. You can find that wherever you find your favorite shows. Uh, it's hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling to help you get your grambles straight. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.